<laughs> oh, I'll find the perfect man one day. Oh, I'll find the perfect romance one day. <laughs> Someone just as perfect as the men in this true crime magazine, Mama. I'll find him or he'll find me. It don't matter. <laughs> My perfect man is waiting out there for me and I will find him. <laughs> Nanny Doss, also known as the Giggling Granny, was just another hopeless romantic who dreamed of finding the perfect man who would sweep her off her feet. As she read her true romance magazines, her thoughts would drift off and she would often imagine her ideal life. And to her, that meant no kids, lots of money, a handsome husband, and she would eliminate anyone who got in the way of that dream, even her own family members. I'm Kelly Barron's Brink, and this is True Crime IRL. Make yourself comfortable as I tell you the story of Nanny Doss, the Giggling Granny. Hey everyone, it's Kelly. I hope everyone is doing great. I just have a couple um, news items for you I wanted to talk about before I start today's show. So I started a Patreon, and if you're looking for a way to donate to the show, become more involved, and help support the show, Patreon is a great way to do that. I have several different tiers that offer lots of perks. You can go to patreon.com slash IRL podcast to become a patron. As always, I thank you for your support. I really appreciate it. It does so much to help support this podcast and to improve things. So thank you. I also would just love it if you like the show, go to iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts and give me a five-star review and a good rating if you could do that. That would be so helpful. It really helps in adding visibility to the podcast and in lots of other ways too. So again, I appreciate your help with all of that. If you go to the truecrimeirl.com website, I do have a lot of merch now up on the merch page. So check that out as well. And be sure to follow us on all the social media. I also have an announcement that I just joined the That's Not Canon network of podcasters based out of Brisbane, Australia. So I'm very excited about that too. So I see a lot of fun crossovers and stuff in the near future with those amazing podcasters. And I'm excited to be part of this TN network. So enough of all that. One more quick word from our sponsor and we will get back to the show. Now back to the show. Nanny Doss was born Nancy Hazel in 1905 in Alabama. She was a female serial killer responsible for the deaths of nearly a dozen people between the 1920s and the 1950s. Nanny's parents, James and Lou Hazel, would have five children, one son and four daughters. Both Nanny and her mother hated James, who was very strict, controlling, and abusive. 
Nanny Doss had a very unhappy childhood. School was very difficult for Nanny, and she just really struggled with reading. And a big reason for this was that her father forced his children to work on the family farm instead of going to school. So she missed a lot of important education. This was actually common for the time. Families had a lot of children, and at least part of the reason why they did that was to have built-in help on the farm. Life would change for Nanny when she was around seven years old. The family was taking a train to visit relatives in southern Alabama when the train suddenly stopped. Nanny hit her head hard on a metal bar on the seat in front of her. For years after that, she would suffer from severe headaches, blackouts, and depression. She blamed these things and her mental instability on that accident. We can only assume that she had some sort of traumatic brain injury from this event that caused some lasting damage. And we've studied other serial killers and other murderers in the past in other episodes, like John Wayne Gacy, Chris Benoit, and Isaiah Sweet. And we know that past trauma and brain abnormalities can have a lasting effect into adulthood. And one thing that can manifest as a result is violence and psychopathy. So... Could Nanny Doss's brain injury paired with her abusive home life have been the perfect nature and nurture cocktail to make a murderer? As a child, Nanny loved reading her mother's romance magazines and she would frequently dream of her own romantic future. As she got older, she really enjoyed the lonely hearts columns of the paper. Since Nanny and her sisters were raised with such strict rules imposed by their father, they were not allowed to wear makeup or attractive clothing, and they couldn't go to dances or other social events with their friends. So she sort of lived vicariously through these romance stories. Nanny's father became obsessed with trying to prevent his daughters from being molested by men, but sadly, it happened anyway on several occasions. By the age of 12, Nanny Doss had been repeatedly sexually abused by numerous men, so it seemed like her father was trying to overcompensate for this by being overly protective after the fact, but the damage was already done. Now, in the early 1900s, it was common for girls to already be married with children before they even hit adulthood, and this is exactly what happened in Nanny Doss's life. At just 16 years old, she married Charles Braggs, a man that she met at work. They only dated for a few months before her father urged them to go ahead and get married. Nanny, in her own words, would state, I'm married, as my father wished, in 1921 to a boy I only knowed about four or five months who had no family. Only had a mother who was unwed and who'd taken over my life completely when we were married. She never seen anything wrong with what he'd done. Nanny's mother-in-law lived with the couple, and Nanny resented that because her groom doted on his mom and gave her a lot of attention. But Nanny would quickly become a mother to four daughters from that marriage. And I use the term mother loosely because she really was no mother to them and she had no real maternal instinct. These poor kiddos would cry when their father left for work in the morning, and I can only imagine what their days were like with Nanny Doss as their stay-at-home mom. 
she did not enjoy being a mother, and to deal with that, she drank heavily and smoked like a chimney. Charles would state that Nanny was an insatiable lover whose emotions would run wild with ups and downs. She constantly cheated on Charles in an effort to find that perfect romance that she was looking for. She would get angry with her husband frequently, and when she did, he refused to eat or drink anything from the home because she often threatened to poison him and he believed her. Six years into their marriage, Charles and Nanny's two middle daughters would unexpectedly die from what Nanny would call food poisoning. And she wasn't lying. While it wasn't what we would traditionally refer to as food poisoning, it was literal food poisoning. She poisoned their food with rat poison. And her husband knew his wife well enough that he suspected this from the start. He was afraid of Nanny, so he packed up himself and their oldest daughter, Melvina, and they left. He left Nanny with their newborn daughter, though, Florine, which was a ballsy move considering he suspected she had just killed two of their kids. But he didn't feel as though he could care for a newborn baby on his own. So right around the same time that their two daughters died, Nanny's mother-in-law also died. Coincidence? I think not. With three kids and her mother-in-law out of the way, Nanny's life was a bit quieter and she would take up a job at the local cotton mill to support herself and baby Florine. And then a year later, Charles would divorce Nanny and return their other daughter to her. Nanny and her daughters would move in with her aging mother, but Nanny was lonely. She would pass the time by going back to one of the things she truly loved, which was her romance stories and that Lonely Hearts column. But now, being single and ready to mingle, Nanny would begin writing to the men who posted advertisements looking for love. She began corresponding with Robert Harrelson, a 23-year-old factory worker from Jacksonville. He sent her romantic poetry, and she sent him a cake. (laughs) They met and married in 1929 when she was 24, two years after her divorce from her first husband, Charles Braggs. They lived together in Jacksonville with Nanny's two surviving daughters, Melvine and Florine. After a few months, she discovered that her new husband was an alcoholic and had a previous criminal assault on his record. Despite her outrage over all this, their marriage lasted 16 years. And in 1943, Nanny Doss would become Granny Doss. Well, briefly, that is. As she welcomed her first grandchild into the world. And this is sick and twisted and horrifying, so brace yourself here. Nanny's oldest daughter, Melvina, gave birth to a baby boy, and the family, including Nanny, rallied around the young mother to help with labor and delivery. Immediately upon the delivery of the baby, Nanny Doss would whisk the child away from the groggy mother, and she would claim that the child had died at birth. But Melvina would swear that she witnessed Nanny Doss stick a hat pin into the newborn's head, killing him. Doctors couldn't come up with an explanation for the baby's death. Was this a hallucination due to the ether? Or could Nanny Doss have really been sick and sociopathic enough to murder her newborn grandchild? Just two years later, Melvina would leave her next child, another son, in the care of her mother when she suddenly needed to leave town for a trip. 
And this would also result in tragedy when the infant would also die mysteriously. The cause of death would be labeled as asphyxia, and Doss would collect a $500 life insurance check from the policy she had taken out on the child. Years later, she would say that the child may have accidentally ingested some rat poison, but nanny... (laughs) This was a two-month-old baby. Can't crawl, can't walk, can't roll, definitely can't accidentally get into some rat poison. So we know what happened here. One night in 1945, Nanny Doss's alcoholic husband, Robert, would get completely intoxicated while celebrating the end of World War II. He and Doss would have an altercation and he would end up brutally raping his wife. And Nanny wanted retribution for this. So she would find his jar of moonshine, mix in a liberal amount of rat poison, and Bobby would be dead by nightfall. Not one to stay single for long, Doss would quickly move on and rebound from this. She went back to her favorite matchmaking method, the Lonely Hearts Columns. And this would bring her to North Carolina, where she would meet up with her next victim, I mean, her next husband, Arlie Lanning. She married Arlie within three days of meeting him. And Arlie was another alcoholic and womanizer. Nanny had a type, I guess. Yet she played the role of the doting wife and homemaker in her marriage to Arlie. Their marriage would be short-lived, though, because poor Arlie would soon die of quote-unquote heart failure. Yeah, we know what really happened here, but the townspeople had the wool pulled over their eyes, and they all showed up to the funeral to support this seemingly grieving widow. Shortly after Arlie's death, the house that he and Nanny lived in burned down. It had been left to Arlie's sister in his will, and if it hadn't burnt down, it would have gone to her, leaving Nanny homeless, basically. But since it burned down instead, the insurance money from that home went to Nanny Doss. She took that money and ran, leaving North Carolina. But first, Arlie Lanning's elderly mother died in her sleep shortly after her son's funeral. Was she just a broken-hearted mother or another victim of Nanny Doss? I think we know the answer to that. After leaving North Carolina, Nanny decided to pay her sister Dovey a visit. Dovey was very ill and bedridden and Doss was going to help take care of her. Well, she took care of her sister all right. And soon after Doss's arrival, she also died. With money in the bank and single again, 1953 brought Nanny Doss a fresh start. Not one to sit around being bored or lonely, she went on the hunt again for Mr. Wright. And she met husband number four, Richard Morton of Emporia, Kansas. She finally found a man who was not an alcoholic. Yay! And things would be great for a few months, until they weren't. Nanny's own elderly mother would come to live with the happy couple so that her daughter could help care for her. But this living situation wouldn't last very long. Nanny soon got that itch to kill again, and she poisoned her sick mother, as she had done to so many family members before her. And just three months after burying her mother, she would also poison her fourth husband, who she would claim was a womanizer. Her wallet would continue getting fat off of the insurance money she'd collect from each family member's death. 
and this is super sus, but literally just one month after becoming a widow again, after Richard's death, she would be quickly moving on to a fifth husband. Samuel Doss of Tulsa, Oklahoma was a clean-cut, church-going man, someone very different than the men that she had been with in the past. But he despised the trashy romance novels and romantic stories that Nanny was obsessed with. And I think we know where this is going. Just three months into marriage number five in September, Samuel was admitted to the hospital with flu-like symptoms. The hospital diagnosed this as a severe digestive tract infection. He was treated and released on October 5th, and becoming sloppy in her work, Nanny killed him that very evening in a rush to collect two life insurance policies she had taken out on him. And finally, someone took notice of this oddity. Samuel's sudden death alerted his doctor, who ordered an autopsy. The autopsy revealed a huge amount of arsenic in his system, enough to kill many people many times over. And Nanny was arrested. Although Nanny confessed to killing four of her husbands, her mother, her sister, her grandson, and her mother-in-law, the state of Oklahoma centered its case only around her final victim, her husband, Samuel Doss. It was what happened after she was arrested that would earn her the name of the giggling granny because when she was discussing her crimes, she would smile and giggle. She would lie about certain details of the murders, and then, when caught in those lies, she would giggle like a little schoolgirl. And it turns out Nanny Doss had a pretty stellar recipe for stewed prunes that she would make herself. She would mix in lethal amounts of rat poison into her sweet concoction, which would be undetectable to her victims. She'd feed them those stewed prunes, and they'd be gone within a day. In later jailhouse conversations, she would speak lovingly about her stewed prune recipe, and she would giggle while discussing her sinister sauce. She pleaded guilty on May 17, 1955, and was sentenced to life imprisonment. The state did not pursue the death penalty because she was a female. Doss was never charged with the other deaths, even though she confessed to them. And she died of leukemia in the hospital ward of the Oklahoma State Penitentiary in 1965. <laughs> I, I don't know why you think I'd kill someone. My conscience is clear. <laughs> I ain't worried about going to no prison. I'll be just fine. Eh, 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 no, 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 don't, no, don't take my magazines away now. Wait, 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 wait. So, okay, all my husbands, well, now they were drinking, cheating bastards. And they deserved what they got. They deserved it. I mean, they were nothing like the real men in these true romance magazines. So, yeah, <laughs> I killed them. I killed them. And, well, you know, some of them damn kids got in my way, too. <laughs> and they had to go. They had to go. I tell ya, it was easy. <laughs> I just slipped everyone some of my delicious stewed prunes. <laughs> oh, poor Arlie. Oh, my third husband. <laughs> you know what he said to me before he breathed his last breath? <laughs> Nanny, he said, it must have been the coffee. But no, <laughs> he was wrong. He was wrong. It was the prunes. Oh, <laughs> that man. Oh, he just loved my prunes. <laughs> Can I have my magazines back now? <laughs> Thank you. Now, where was I? Oh, oh yes. 
John looked Sally right in the eyes and confessed what he'd been feeling for months, but too afraid to say. <laughs> oh, yes, by golly, now that's a man. That's a man right there. <laughs> So that was the story of Nanny Doss, the Giggling Granny. What did you guys think? Do you think that that head injury at age seven caused some sort of damage to her brain that affected her later in life and caused her to become a serial killer? Do you think it was the abuse and the molestation she suffered in her younger years? Do you think she was just born with her brain wired wrong? What do you think contributed to the fact that Nanny Doss killed almost a dozen people over the course of her life? Is it a combination of both nature and nurture? I want to hear what you think. I already know what I think. I think I'm right. I don't know, but yeah, I want to hear what you think about it. This has been True Crime IRL, and I'm your host, Kelly Barron's Brink, reminding you to lock your doors, people. Even if it's a seemingly happy, giggling person on the other end, you should probably really lock your doors then because that's just creepy. Yeah, just lock your doors. Lock those doors. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.